In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Today we're starting our new sermon series, Different Faces, Same Jesus. And here's how the sermon series is going to work. We have, over the next couple weeks, a group of readings from the Gospel of Luke. And they're all kind of dealing with the same thing. Different faces, same Jesus. And maybe the second part makes the most sense because we're in the Gospel of Luke, so of course it's going to be about Jesus. Let me explain the first part, different faces. This is what makes this section unique. Jesus is going to meet and see different faces. He's going to see different people. It doesn't matter their age, their gender, their race, how, how it appears, um, how much they know about Jesus, what their values might appear to be. Jesus approaches them all, and we're going to see something cool. Jesus approaches them all as the same Jesus. Jesus meets them all where they're at. It doesn't matter the face. It doesn't matter how different. So as we begin this series, I want to talk about faces. We've all got them, and I think we can learn a lot about them. And so I have a series of faces, and we can see the different things that we know and we can learn from a face. And first, I want to talk about emotions. I think it might be one of the easiest things that you can see on someone else's face. We even have a whole set of icons just to describe these emotions. They're called emojis. So you can help me out if you want. Our first emoji is this. So what do you think of when you see this face? Happiness, maybe extreme happiness. I think I use this one rarely, only when I'm actually really excited. What about this one? Sadness. And apparently, you can use this one even if you're not actually crying. I didn't know this, so I never used it before, and my wife started using it all the time, and I thought, what's going on? Come to find out, it's just expressing sadness, sorrow, something we hear about in our text today. What about this one? Anger. Hopefully you're not getting this one too much. Anger. Easy to see, easy to identify. But we can also learn a lot of other things. Not just how somebody's feeling, something you can express in emoji, but you might be able to learn something about someone's background, right? You can learn race. Maybe have some thoughts about where they come from. You can learn things like age, how old or young someone is, even maybe someone's religious or religion, what they believe, the different values they have. And it can go even deeper than that. You can even kind of learn something about someone's personality or social status. Take a look at this guy. Maybe you need to look at more than just his face, but this guy's clearly uh, got his life together and he's probably a high social status. And finally, your personality. I think if you watch someone long enough, even if it's from a distance, you can tell what sort of things they like. This is Nadal, and he clearly likes tennis. You can tell just by his face. So we can learn a lot from faces, right? We see them all day, but what's true about all the things we learn from a face? All the things we maybe just talked about right now. They're all assumptions. They're all things that we assume about people, especially if we're looking at them from a distance, if we've never talked to them. We don't really know for a fact if they're true. But nonetheless, your face is your first impression, right? And your first impression means a lot. 
It doesn't matter if it's a small thing or a big thing. What you see in someone's face can affect a lot about you. You see, your assumptions can affect your actions. Your first impression can affect how you treat someone else. I think it's especially true with someone's face. I mean, just think about even something as small as someone's mood that day. I think we've all walked into a room and we can immediately identify the one person who's having a bad day and what do you do? Kind of let them go, right? You let them stay by themselves and maybe if you really know them, you try to cheer them up. But you kind of give your distance. Your assumptions affect your actions. But what does it mean if your assumption is something bigger? What does it mean if you're assuming something else, if you're seeing something that you perceive as a huge difference? It could be race, it could be age, it could be their social status. And maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's someone you look up to, but what if they're a lower social status? How would you treat that person? Would you even go up and talk to them? You see, faces many times affect our actions. But in this sermon series, I think we're going to see something amazing. Jesus is going to see many different faces. We're going to talk about many different kind of people. But Jesus meets each and every person where they're at. It doesn't seem like he lets just a face affect his actions. We're going to see different faces, but the same Jesus. And today we're going to look at our first account, a story from Luke chapter 7, called The Widow of Nain. And it starts like this. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. So it starts out in a town called Nain, and if you don't know much about Nain, that's okay. I think it really only comes up here. But if you take out your mental map of the nation of Israel, you have the Sea of Galilee up here, and that's all you need to know. It's in the north. Nain is by the Sea of Galilee. And it's no surprise that we find Jesus going to this town because this is where Jesus did much of his ministry at that time. So he walks into this town and we find some interesting people with him. We see his disciples, of course, they're with him. They're learning from him. But we also see this large crowd. A large crowd that all wanted to hear what Jesus says. And something we see a lot in the Gospels, he has this large crowd with him. All just wanting to hear or to see him do something amazing. And this is what happens next. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. So immediately we see another crowd, another large crowd gathered there, and they're both meeting each other. But we also see a very sad scene, right? You see, Jesus suddenly walks in to a funeral, A funeral that's happening right in front of them. And I'm going to assume most people here have been to some sort of funeral or have heard stories about a funeral, had some experience with it. A funeral is a sad thing. Emotions are high. I think back a couple years to the funeral of my grandpa. It was quite a sight to walk into. I saw a large crowd gather there. He knew many different people. And they were all mourning. I could see the sadness on their faces. I saw my family 
all in different stages of their grief. Some crying uncontrollably, some it seemed like with no expression. And finally, my grandma, who just lost her husband of numerous years. And it was tough to see her going through that sorrow, going through that sadness. There was so much mourning in the room, it was almost like you could touch it. You see, death is hard. It's hard for us to deal with, and that's exactly what we see Jesus walking into today. And I couldn't imagine what the crowd was like, what those people were like as they slowly realized what was happening. As maybe they waited in expectation of what Jesus was going to do next, how he was going to address this scene, listening to what he was going to say. And we also see somebody else. We see a woman. And I think the sadness goes down even a couple more levels. You see, this woman lost her son. Something that a mother should never have to go through. And not only was he her son, but he was her only son. I couldn't imagine how much she loved him. And on top of that, goes down one more level. The author cues us into the fact that she was a widow. And you see, at that time, in the nation of Israel, the males usually uh, held a job, brought in the economic um, stability, um, took care of the family. Her husband was dead, and then usually your son would step up and take care of you, and now she had nobody. And so with her son, not only went her family, but also her hope for a future, this widow is broken. And I think that's what we see on her face, and maybe you're thinking about a face right now. Somebody you know who's went through this kind of pain. Someone who's gone through this kind of loss. It's tough. Death is a hard thing. But then we see something amazing. Then all of a sudden, the story turns. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. You see, when Jesus steps into that situation, it's almost as if he sees things differently. And we see this throughout the Gospel of Luke. Jesus sees a situation in a different light. He sees something that you or I can't see. We're looking at a funeral, but Jesus says, don't cry. And that's because he was about to do this. Then he went up and he touched the buyer that they were carrying him on and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and he began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What does Jesus do? Naturally, he goes straight up to the buyer. And yes, I had to look up exactly what that was. Just a bed or a cart that they would carry a body on during their funeral. So all these people are gathered here. They're carrying him out and what does Jesus do? He stops the whole scene. The bearers have to stop carrying the body. Jesus doesn't care about what it means for a Jew to go up to a dead body. It means you'd be unclean because he saw things differently. He tells this young boy, get up. Something he tells to many people, the paralyzed, those who are sick, blind, he tells them, get up. Because he saw things differently. The Greek here could actually mean wake up. Jesus saw the true situation. He saw a different reality. And Jesus changes everything. He raises this boy to the, from the dead. And now what do we see? The obvious thing is that we see Jesus has power. Power even over the dead. 
But I think what's even more amazing about this situation is what Jesus does immediately after he raises the boy. He gave him back to his mother. What Jesus saw was a woman who was broken. And he didn't just want to tell people he had power over the dead. He wanted to tell them that he could fix what was broken, that he had that kind of power. And then we see the crowd. They were all filled with awe and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. And I think the people did exactly what we would expect. The people did exactly what you or I would do if we saw someone raised from the dead. They told everyone. They went out. It didn't matter. They were going to tell people about this amazing thing. And that's our account from the Gospel of Luke. The widow of Nain and how Jesus raises her son back to life. I think it's interesting that it's not called the young man, but it's called the widow from Nain. So what faces do we see in this account? I think the most obvious is the one I just mentioned. The one the account is named after, the widow from Nain. You see, she was broken. She had a face of sadness, and why was that? Because she had just lost her son. She was broken because she just lost all her hope for the future. She was experiencing that kind of sorrow. And we see her face, broken and downcast. Maybe we see her new social status as she realizes what her life now is going to be. Maybe we see her age, maybe made more apparent, accelerated by the circumstances. We see a woman, a widow, who is broken. And we also see the faces of the crowd, probably close to the whole town who had come out just to mourn with this, woman, with this woman over the loss of her son. The faces of the crowd following Jesus who were excited, eager to hear what Jesus was going to teach them and they now come into this scene, this funeral. And then, of course, the face of the boy, lifeless and still. It seems that his, earth, his time on this earth is done. But those aren't all the faces we see today, right? You see, in an instant, just like that, doesn't Jesus change everything? And now we see a whole new cast, a whole new set of faces, not just the brokenness and the sorrow, but all of a sudden this boy come to life, animated, now talking to the people in front of him. We see the crowd, excited, telling everybody what they have just seen, and of course the widow. They couldn't even begin to comprehend the emotions the expressions on her face. How could we even begin to imagine someone who goes to the funeral of a loved one and leaves not with that loved one still in the coffin, but standing right next to them? The joy would be indescribable. And what do we learn from these faces? What kind of things can we gather from what we see on those people there, on that funeral, turned into joy. You see, the most amazing thing that we learn from this story, I don't think, is just that Jesus has the power to raise this boy from the dead. But I think the thing that we learn the most today is how Jesus 
saw this situation. Here's what it says about Jesus and how he sees the widow. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. When does your heart go out? When do you try to walk in somebody else's shoes? The obvious answer today is probably at a funeral, right? But what other times do you see your heart going out? To start easy, I think, at an emotional movie, right? You get connected to someone, you see what they've been through, and you start feeling for them, especially when things starting, start to come together, and you might get a little emotional. But it's more than that, right? Your heart goes out when you see an organization or in a charity helping people in need. You see this big picture, this amazing thing and how lives are changed and suddenly you want to be a part of it, right? You get to see a youth group going on a mission trip, helping people out and your, your heart goes out. And you see, why is that reaction, why is that feeling maybe a little different than the feeling you get at a funeral? You think your heart goes out at both when you see something hap happy, when you see something good, it's something you can get behind. It's something you want to invest in, something you know how to handle. Why are your reactions different? You see, that's what I think we see today. We see Jesus address this funeral just like we would address that good cause, just like we would get behind something good and help somebody out. He sees this completely different. He's not just reacting to a situation, right? He's not just giving sympathy. But Jesus sees a different kind of reality. Jesus not only sees the brokenness and sorrow on this woman's face, but he sees the solution. He knows that he doesn't just have the power to fix her temporary needs. He has the power to fix her needs for an eternity. And that's exactly what he does. That's exactly why he tells her, don't cry. That's exactly why he tells the boy, get up, because he sees things differently. He's able to meet people where they're at, especially when they're faced with brokenness, especially when they're faced with death. He shows them something greater. And we can know it's something greater because of what the crowd says. You see, I think I missed this the first time I read through it. The crowd doesn't just do what we would expect. The crowd says this amazing line, God has come to help his people. You see, I think they got it. They got that Jesus was seeing this thing differently. They weren't just running around telling people, there's this guy who can raise people from the dead, which would be incredible. They were telling people, God has come to help his people. God has come to fix our brokenness. No matter what it is, God has come to meet us where we're at, there is hope. And isn't this new reality still true for us today? What do you think about when you see somebody who is broken? And maybe you've been thinking about them this whole sermon. It could be someone who's experienced the loss of a loved one. It could be a co-worker who just lost their job. Maybe a family member who's feeling some sort of pain. Maybe the sting of divorce, the loss of a relationship. And before we go today, I want to think about this. What do we tell those people? 
What do we say to the face of somebody who's experiencing that kind of brokenness? And if you're anything like me, you have no idea what to say. See, I think back just a couple months ago, I went to a different funeral, and I was faced with the same question, what am I going to say? And maybe you know this feeling, but immediately my answer to myself was, I have no idea. I'm at a complete loss of words, and then you know you're in a pickle, because once you think that, there's really no hope, right? And so then when I did kind of surprise myself, I started thinking back for some words. I started thinking back to my own brokenness. I was seeing the brokenness on the faces of the people around me. And I thought about what made me sad. I thought about my own grandpa's funeral. I thought about the things I struggle with, the things that happen all around me, the times when I'm at my lowest. Maybe it's the sin that infects me that I have to struggle with. And it might seem kind of selfish, but I think this is where most of us start. We try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes when we're trying to think about what in the world we're going to say to them. And then I ask myself this, what does God see when he looks at my face? And in the moment, I think it was this, that he sees this world. And I think he sees a world of broken faces. Maybe you're that one dealing with the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're that one going through a divorce, going through a loss of job or something else. Maybe you're the one dealing with the hurt someone else has caused you. Maybe you're the one dealing with that sin that doesn't seem to leave. And what do you realize? That you're broken too. And guess what? This didn't really help me. Seeing my own brokenness, seeing what I'm dealing with, I still had absolutely nothing to say to these people because all I had at that time was how broken I was. But you see, this isn't the end of our story. We don't leave the people in this account from Luke broken. We leave fixed. You see, the first step, that step I took, the step maybe you've taken before, is an important one. Because it's only when you see your brokenness that you remember exactly what Jesus has said to you, exactly what Jesus has said to me. You see, Jesus tells us the exact same thing he told to that widow who is experiencing brokenness that I can't begin to imagine. What did he say? He said, don't cry. He told her son, get up. He gave her his son back and he said the same thing to you and to me. He's the God who can look at us, broken by the things around us, broken by the own sin in our life. And guess what he says to us? I'm a savior who has power. I want to meet you where you're at. I am the resurrection and the life. I have peace and rest that no one on earth can give. He looks at you and says, I have forgiven all of your sins. I've fixed your brokenness, not just now, but also for an eternity. And after you realize that, don't you now have the words to say? Now when you realize what Jesus says to you in your own brokenness, 
Can't you look at someone else and be filled with not just your words, but Jesus' words of healing and salvation? Jesus' exact same words to you apply to everyone else. Jesus has saved the entire world. Now you can meet someone else where they're at with God's word. God's word of forgiveness. God's word of grace. God's word that he has fixed and has the power to fix any brokenness. Amen. Let's pray about that. Dear Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for this time together today. Thank you for the words you've given us in the Gospel of Luke. And please bless us as we still continue to study his book, as we see these different faces. And thank you especially today for looking at us, a broken world, for looking at all the problems we have in the face of sorrow and being able to turn that sorrow into joy, being able to reassure us that you have the power to fix any temporary need, but more importantly, you have the power to fix our eternal need. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.